right, so uh, this guy goes into uh, the police department, and he says, you know, officer, I sent my wife uh, to get some uh, groceries and, and in my car, and she hasn't come back, and uh, I'm really worried. And so the police officer says, okay, well, tell me a little bit about her. What, what, uh, how tall is she? And he goes, you know, I don't really know, 5'4", five, 5'7", five, anywhere between. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, what about her eye color? I, pff, no idea, he says. Um, all right, uh, fat, skinny, um, normal, you know, not fat, not skinny. Uh, what was she wearing, sir? He says, yeah, I don't know why. Skirt, uh, shirt. Clothes. Uh, clothes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a dress. Uh huh. Okay. So, um, can you tell me um, about her hair color? Sometimes it's blondish. Sometimes it depends on the season, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, all right. And she was driving a car. Yes. What was it? It was a 25, 2015 Porsche 911 Carrera S4, six liter, V8, 480 horsepower, leather interior, hypertronic uh, shifting. Where wide wheels with special tri- rims with the red brakes, not the yellow brakes, right? Anyway, he goes on. <laughs> so I love this joke, right? It, it really shows how men really do focus when they want to focus <laughs> on the things they want to focus. And that's what he remembers. And by the way, the police officer says, sir, we will find your car. <laughs> so anyway, it, it's about focusing on what, what's real, right? He, you will eventually get, you will eventually succeed in anything that's really important to you. We've talked about this before, right? If you, I, I told about, told, told you about French and my love of French and how, you know, I, I did quite well in, in French. And I'm very proud of it. Uh, it has come to, uh, I've come to believe that if you truly want to do something, you'll succeed in it. Okay? It's as simple as that. Now, why do I bring this all up? Um, it, it makes me think of the Democrats and what they really want. But sometimes you really want something so much that it blinds you to the reality. I, I think that we will be talking about the election of 2016 for decades to come. Right? I mean, first of all, in 1940, what was it, 1948, that uh, Truman defeated Dewey, right? Is that the, the election year? But the famous newspaper that they hold up and it says Dewey defeats Truman, right? And he gets to have the last laugh. And of course, he had won. And it's such a famous picture. But it happened many times over in this election, not just with one newspaper, but several magazines showing her to be the victor and Trump to be the the loser. And it was so clear to them. And the polling was so way off. And they'll be talking about this for ages and I think for decades to come, about the, the hubris, the the wishful thinking that was going on among the Democrats, how they deceived themselves and lied to themselves uh, to the point that they were so complacent that it all fell apart to them. All right. That's, that's the issue. That's how it comes out. But, of course, there's, some, there's something far more devious to it all, isn't it? Uh, and there, there are other issues that are coming into play. And here's the proposal I have to you. I think that we can compare... Bernie Madoff and Hillary Clinton slash the Democratic Party with, with no problem. Now, how do I say that? You know, offline, Ari, you said, well, they're both criminals. That, that's true. On the surface of things, that's 100% true. And they're both white. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, right? Um, but that's it. 
okay, and they both want to make a lot of money, and they're both uh, greedy, and uh, fair enough. But there's something a little bit deeper, not too much deeper, but just a little bit deeper. It's that both of them were guilty of creating a facade of of great fortune, of great success, that, that there was something there, there, right? And there was nothing there. And I wonder whether or not Hillary Clinton actually began to believe herself all the lies that her internal communications were telling her, that she was going to win, she was going to run away with this. this, this was a no-brainer, that she should want Trump to win, and so on, all those things. I, I, I wonder, but we'll get to that in a moment, whether she actually believed it. The point is that they put out and projected this reality that they expected everyone to go along with, exactly the same way exactly the same way that Bernie Madoff presented his Ponzi scheme to all of his investors. Look what I've got, right? I've got this burgeoning, thriving business. I, I'm making so much money, and you can be part of this, right? Isn't that exactly the same thing that the Democrats try to pull off? That's right. Yeah. And, and it's funny. They pull it off in, with their investors who are their donors, and they pull it off with their voters Yeah. in the same way. Oh, don't worry. Social Security is there's a lockbox. Don't worry. <laughs> Welfare is safe. Don't worry. Right to choose. You have a, we'll protect your right to choose. Don't worry. We care about your children and your schools. We yeah. care about teachers. Oh, that's Everything. so well said. That's right. Everything's a fraud. Yeah. Everything about it was a fraud. There was from down the, the line. Wall the wall. Yeah. There was almost nothing that was accurate. Right? I mean, <laughs> Uh, you know, from 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 the woman vote being that that, that she was going to clinch the woman vote for the first time, right? That, that this would be really really a slaughter, and it turns out that at least among white women, she lost big time, or big league, as uh, as our friend Mr. Trump would call it, fifty three percent. That's a that's a big ratio. Yeah, but she won eighty nine percent of the women in Brentwood. Whoopty friggin' dog. Yeah, well, a lot of the women in Brentwood are single and they're liberal to begin with. Right. So it's not it's not but a that's here or there. Point. And the amount of women in the country who live like women in Brentwood, you know, pay four thousand dollars a month for a one bedroom apartment, right. work eighteen hours a day at some high paying amazing job. Right. Is like uh 0.5% of the women in the country That's right. are like that, right. live that life. Yeah, it's not, it's not a realistic uh, population to, to, uh, to yeah. draw anything from. But there, there are other lies that were going on, or the other self-delusions, shall we say, like the black vote will all go to Hillary Clinton, that uh, the Hispanic vote will all go to Hillary Clinton, that the people cared or gave a crap at all about climate change that they uh, gave a crap at all about some sort of glass ceiling and that they even cared that, that a woman was running for president. They just didn't. All of that was just garbage. And that somehow Trump's uh, you know, banter and his uh, you know, boorish ways would somehow do him in, and, 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 and it was all gone that way. It was, and that nothing that he was saying was catching a, at all. But of course it was catching. Everything was catching. And the polling was telling them so. It had to be telling them so. Because they wanted accuracy, right, in terms of if you're, if you're in the business of campaigning, you want to know where to campaign, at the very least, right? Where are you having problems and where do you need to, to, to summon up the base, right, to, to garner that great vote? And 
And they didn't give her accurate information because what was going on was that people just didn't even want to poll. And so they only talked to the people that were going to vote for, for Hillary, or at least the vast majority of them. And as a consequence, they began to believe, maybe rightly or wrong, I mean, well, they began, they began to believe their own BS that somehow things were going, to be, were going to be great for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, because if you poll only in Manhattan and Brentwood, of course Hillary Clinton looks like she's going to win. Right. Bigly. <laughs> <laughs> Bigly. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be, to be absurd about it, if, if you were to uh, you only poll you and I, Ari, about any issue, uh, conservatism, abortion. Yeah, the whole abortion. country would look conservative. Yeah, yeah, 100% of the people we polled uh, <laughs> right. don't believe in, uh, you know, pro, are not pro-choice, you know, pro-life. Yeah, overwhelming. There's overwhelming <laughs> belief in God. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, of course, but, but they did that to, to some extent. And they got to the point where they said, we've got to send out the message that we are not only winning, but that we are going to change the electoral map and that we're going to get all the ballots down, uh, down ballot uh, votes as well. And this is going to be a slaughter of so many different, I mean, of, of biblical proportions, not that they believe in the Bible, right? But this is, this is how the, the mantra that they said. And I'm fascinated by the ability to lie to oneself. And, and I told you, we'll get to that in a moment. But clearly, the Democratic campaign uh, apparently decided that they were going to pull off these lies. They were going to push them off. Just like Bernie Madoff pushed off a lie that he had a viable business when he had nothing. As investors were doing well when they were yeah. being ripped off, that he, yeah. And, and he, saw, like, he saw no out. And then here, here comes Hillary Clinton, you know, the night before the election. And, and one thing does seem to, to stand out that maybe she knew, and that was that she that she canceled the fireworks that were supposed to take place in New York Harbor. Did you know about this? I didn't. Yeah. So she had planned for um, fireworks to start going off. When did, when, at, so when they were canceled, that night or like the day I think before? two days before. Oh, so she did know. Yeah, she, she knew. She knew that it would be unwise for her to assume that she was going to win, at the very least, right? So she canceled those, those fireworks. In New York Harbor, it was supposed to set off at 9:30 in the evening when it would be so clear that, that she had early? won. That when 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 she well because it would be that early that, that they would know yeah. that it was a landslide and everyone would be happy. So they canceled it. They canceled. And so she must have known something was was up. Do you want to know how crazy that is? Just uh, and I know you give me that look like I'm going to drive you off topic, but I can't help but mention this. The California. When West Coast polling closes at 8 o'clock local time. Which would so mean 11 o'clock no their way, time. No, no, no. That would be 11 p.m. their yeah, time. right. So to schedule any fireworks before 11 p.m. local time in New York would be foolish. Beyond belief. Yeah. Yep. But it's typical Hillary. Right. Smartest, dumbest woman in the world. <laughs> but she definitely, uh, she, she planned this all out. I mean, Google it if you like, you'll see. Uh, you know, whether it was 9 or 9.30, I don't know. But nevertheless, that was the plan for the election night because they felt so certain about this. Yeah. But then they canceled it. So what happened there? I mean, it's, it's not, not specifically about the fireworks. I don't really care about that. Uh, but I am interested whether or not Hillary Clinton began to believe her own BS. And I think she did. I think she really felt oh, that great things would, would start happening for her. Uh, the, the debates, for example, were, were very telling. You know, Donald Trump lost the first debate. I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that he lost it. He looked out of control. He was saying things and kept on saying wrong and interrupting her all the time and, and saying things like, that makes me smart. And it just, it, it wasn't a debate style that, that suited a presidential debate. 
but the second debate, he was pretty good. Uh, you can, you can, I think we, you and I talked about how he was kind of standing over her a little too much. He was looming over her, and that was a question of, you know, optics, which yeah, is it was very just important. Aesthetic problem. It was aesthetic. Uh, the the substance was fine. Yeah, he was fine. He did very well. Yeah. And in the third debate, he did even better. And in the third debate, her self control started to break down. I have this right. this belief about willpower, which is it's like ammunition in a gun. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you run out. <laughs> and and it was clear yeah. by the third debate, her willpower to stay in control and not let that screeching harpy inside come out yeah. was starting to break down. It's so true. And once That's that a good point. Showing it's over for her. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It- <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I try to make this a little bit more professional than that, but well, that's the sound she makes. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so so everyone wanted you to believe, however, that the three debates were all great victories on her part. That they weren't. The first debate, okay, yeah, it, it was more that Donald Trump lost it. It's not. It's not that she says anything particularly great during the first debate. But she won it. She won the first debate, but not the second or third. And and you you felt like you were playing against this this. Um, this meme that was playing out and that was somehow the, the way to play, the, 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 to argue the whole point about how great Hillary Clinton was going to be doing. I, I, it's, it's such a study, isn't it, in, in deluding yourself and beginning to believe your, well, uh, the lies that everyone is telling you. Yeah, but there's another factor involved that we didn't see coming yeah. to the extent it happened. And it's something we're really happy about and something we've been waiting for for a long time which was the complete collapse of media influence. Yeah. The media, uh, uh, James O'Keefe in Project Ver- Veritas tweeted and posted on Facebook today, we won, we beat them, we destroyed the media, it's over. We fought the, it was a war and the war is over. And you and I had no way of seeing that the war was that much won already. Right. But it was. Right. Because when they threw out the kitty cat grabbing story and ran it right. day after day right, after right, day, right. when they ran out all the lionization of Hillary Clinton and all the trashing of Trump, and the debates are part and parcel of this because the debates, remember, are not debates. Right. They are not <laughs> Douglas and Lincoln arguing substance for three hours with you know nothing but a timekeeper. Right. It's, they are truly media-driven propaganda events. Right. Designed to prop up left-wing idiotic ideas and make common-sense conservative ideas look idiotic. That's what they're designed to do. Sure. And you and I had no idea that people had already gotten to the place we've been for many years. Yeah. And they had. That's and right. that's where it was really won. And there was no way Hillary could see that either. That's the problem when you start using the media to deceive for you is that you end up not knowing where the truth is. You have no source of, of reality. This is part of the reason why I now watch Fox News much more regularly, that I don't even turn on CNN anymore. I, I did. I mean, I, I, in, the, in the old days before the election, uh, I would turn on CNN because I wanted to see what the other side is saying, and, and, but still I would get the news. And, and after the election, when it became crystal clear that they were attempting to deceive me, that I, I thought, listen, I, it, it's like, like being in a room with a liar, just constantly lying to you all the time, and you just don't want to be in that person's presence anymore because it's painful. It's, and you feel like you're, you're going to get, you know, uh, you're going to be infected with his lies somehow, right? That you're, you're going to catch his lies as a cold or something, and, and you don't want to be in part, any part of it. You just want reality. And, and Fox News 
you know, of course, they pick and choose the stories as they please, too. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they're 100% not biased and, and 100% um, neutral in every respect. Of course not. But I, I, I find that their predictions are far more reliable. Uh, I think that they, their sourcing is much better. And I'm, I'm willing to, to believe them before I'll believe CNN. Yeah, and, and let's narrow this, this conversation scope a little bit. We're not talking in this case entirely about the opinion shows on either network. We're talking about only the news shows. Right. Brett Bears, 3 to 6 p.m. or 3 to 4 p.m. show on Fox, and like I think it's Wolf Blitzer's competing show at the same time. Right. Pure news. Because opinion is, uh, shows are opinion shows. Those sure. are not meant to be news. In the, yeah, in like, like Sean Hannity and yeah. such, yeah. We're just talking about the and, – and with CNN, the news is so nonsensical. It's, yeah. it's impossible to watch. I watch CNN on election night for uh, entertainment value, and oh boy, I got my money's worth. It was, it was some yeah. of the funniest – Stuff ever. I know you were tw- you were texting me at the time to, t- yeah, t- to I was turn on. Begging you to turn and it I, on, and, and I still didn't want to see it. I just wanted to share the joy. I wanted to reward Fox News for being accurate about yeah. their news. You know, look, even in 2008 when Obama became president, uh, I watched Fox News, and you know they told it like it was. They said, "Okay, Obama's won," and they said, "You know, President Obama," and they they lifted it. They didn't wait. They didn't delay. They didn't. Uh, they were make looking funny... for votes for McCain in obscure counties, <laughs> right? Exactly. Lamenting, hey, there are no more votes left for him. Let's find him more votes. Right. <laughs> they they weren't taking Xanax, you know, at the, at the Ackerman's desk, right? And looking all droopy and dreary and everything else. I mean, it was pathetic. What I saw on MSNBC, I wanted happiness. I didn't want to laugh at them. I wanted happiness. And and Fox News presented the news in a in a fair way, and it was accurate and. And I knew that when they called Pennsylvania, for example, that meant that they had studied the issue very clearly, and it was very clear to them that Pennsylvania had gone for Trump. Likewise for Wisconsin, likewise for Ohio and Florida, uh, and North Carolina. We were it was done, but the fact that CNN and MSNBC were still holding it in their pocket because they, I don't know why they they, they knew that their their viewers were still kind of hoping against hope. That Wisconsin still might go for Hillary, or Michigan might still go, or, or Florida for that matter. That's when I knew that this is a big Ponzi scheme yeah. type thing. Well, I'll on. say you can't blame them because it is a business, and their business that they're going to keep the eyeballs on the screen. I understand. What are they going to do? Give people an excuse to go to the bar? <laughs> you know. I, well, look, but, but Fox News would have the same the same uh, impetus, right? They they could also do the same thing. Well, we can't call it. You know, stay with us. Uh, for the yeah, commercials the and everything else, right? Want to see the victory speech? The you know Trump accepting you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they... it's true. Uh, but look, this is a. St- I mean, there's so many different layers of lies going on. Whether I mean, not even talking yeah, about you're Benghazi. About the political and, uh, level, the elected official level, the media level, the the polling level. Right. It's, it's every level. Right. The polling, media, political. I, I like the way you you compartmentalize them. It's exactly right, and, and that's from Obama on down. And they really created this world that you thought by by November 9th, the next day, that there'd be a whole new landscape where liberalism. You know, has conquered this country, and yet, yet again, has minimalized, and minimized rather, uh, the Republican Party and conservatism, generally speaking. And uh, you know, you guys really need to change yourselves. And they had this whole narrative ready to go. 
and, and that's what's so shocking. They, they, they had, it's not that they had no sense of the country and where it wanted to go and where the wind was blowing and so on. They, they willfully ignored it at their peril. I mean, had they actually seen what was going on, they would have, uh, you know, the, I think they still would have lost the presidency. But, but at least for the down-ballot measures and, and down-ballot uh, uh, senators and everything else, I think they would have won much better. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's and clear. And all those state houses. And it goes part and parcel of a point I've made over the years here, which is imagine what kind of President Obama would have been knowing the, race, uh, the racial controversies of this nation if when he assumed office in January of 2009, he governed as a down-the-middle total moderate and right. said, look, I'm here. The, govern, remember that 2004 speech about the purple America, or we're not red, we're not blue, we're all right. Americans. Right. Imagine if he governed like that and said something along the lines. This is just an example. He said, "Look, we have competing interests in this country. We don't all want the same thing, but I'm going to err on the side of freedom in all areas. So, for instance, on my party, abortion and women's rights to choose is paramount, and I will not compromise on that issue." No matter what. Right. They call that but, freedom, right? Right. We call it freedom. But I'm also going to reach out across the aisle the other side, and I, we're going to have sacred amendment rights sacrosanct as much as abortion rights are sacrosanct. So we can take both of those issues off the table, and we'll settle them, my ears, and we'll have no gun control. And you can have your guns, and you can have your abortions, and we can argue about the more substantive stuff. Imagine if— That, that would be brilliant. I, I know it's not reality, but he would have had the political capital to pull such things. And he, if he looked at his— Almost every issue, budgeting, national security, etc. In those ways, he'd be gone down right now. As I, the I agree president with you. Ever, and Hillary yeah. would have succeeded him. I agree. I agree. But of course, you're talking about the what ifs. And and if he were an elephant, he'd have a trunk. And if he had wheels, he'd be he'd be a car. It doesn't mean anything. Well, no, no. The the broader point is this: leftism, and this is part and parcel to your example, your brilliant analogy opening about Bernie Madoff, is that. Leftists cannot help themselves. They have no self-control. And because they're at war with conservatives, not in a compromised position of sharing power in government, they can never find true common ground in these things. Well, they can never find true common ground, and they never, they never see the reality of the common ground. To, to seek common ground, you have to recognize what the other side wants, yes. right? So if, I mean, I remember seeing, I remember once at, at Stanford there was a... Um, a debate between uh, Prime, Prime Minister Barack, uh, former Prime Minister Barack. Ehud Barak. Ehud Barak, yeah, of yes. Israel. And they decided that they needed some counterbalance to it. So they had the, the Professor Baraka, oddly enough, you know, similar name, but, but very anti-Israel, very hostile to Israel, uh, you know, just shy of a terrorist. A right. pro-Arab. Yeah, very pro-Arab, pro-boycotting, yeah. pro-the destruction of Israel, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I said, uh, and, and I wrote extensively the letter, they, they published it, and they said, and my opinion piece was, how, how could you possibly think that this is the frame with which to look as to what the, the boundaries are of, of the two sides of this equation? This is not the frame. You've chosen something totally out there. It, but what you should be doing is looking for somebody who's far different. You look, look for some, uh, an, an Arab moderate spokesperson for a government, not some crazy person who wants the utter destruction of Israel. And, and then we can have a discussion about that. And that's the same thing that the Democrats have done, is that they fail to recognize what the other side actually is. They've been so busy being cartoonish 
about what we want. I mean, Obama did this all the time. He created strawman arguments about what, how conservatives think. Yeah, filling moats with crocodiles, right. dirty air and water, right. stomp on their faces. Right, you know. and, we, and only white people allowed, thank you very much, that sort of thing, yeah. right? And uh, so, you know, of course, first order of business that we're all racist. Second order of business that we're all greedy, okay, and we don't care. And, and then third order of business that we don't care about uh, pollution or, or remedying pollution whatsoever. Those are the three great things that, that the Democrats want to perceive about us. Yeah, war on women, not right. we care about the babies who might be aborted, but a war on, on women. women. That's right. So why would you compromise with such people, <laughs> right? right? If you, if, I mean, it's like compromising uh, with Hitler, as far as they're concerned. You know, well, he wants to gas all the Jews. Why? What are you going to do, uh, Mr. Lurie? Are you going to compromise at, at, at gassing only half the Jews? I mean, that's right. absurd, Mr. Lurie. Well, okay, yeah, it would be absurd if that were the reality, but it's not the reality. He, he fails to see... Because they want to delude themselves into understanding that the conservatives think this way. And, and, uh, and because of that, they're evil. We don't negotiate with them. Thank you very much. And that's a delusion that has echoed throughout the decades over and over again. And it's, it's to their detriment. It hurts them, the Democrats. I, I want, and I know that I speak for you, we want a, a, a strong Democratic Party one that actually can compete in a meaningful way. Oh, yes. Right? Yes, let me... Because it makes us so. better well, in the process. Well, not only does it make us better, but it keeps our party from running off the rails like their party did. Right, exactly. Because we're Americans. The most important thing we as Americans don't want, no matter what, even if it's our party, especially if it's our own party, is one party rule where one party doesn't care about anything because they have no problem getting reelected. Right. Because then why the hell should they do any of the things we want them to do? That's right. I, I mean, I want a, the Democrat Party of Hubert Humphrey and uh, uh, Scoop Jackson. Right. I, I, you know, I want, totally I want a strong pro-American Democrat Party. And I want to beat them every election. That's right. But I want them viable and I don't want them to be fools. Mm-hmm. Because if they're dehumanized fools, it, it means my party doesn't need the sharpest knife in the drawer to cut them apart. Of course, apart. they don't need to do anything. Well, that's why Hillary Clinton was nominated, because they, they have believed that all that matters is, you know, it's, it's the party of personality, right? That then Hillary Clinton, for some reason, is the personality that they wanted to advance. But that's another story. Um, a, a very bizarre thing. It, it had nothing to do with the ideology. It had, had to do with the fact that she didn't have a penis. That was the primary thing that they wanted to advance. And then, of course, that she had some background and she had the, the, um, this name. the, the name of yeah. Clinton and, and all the shadow of Bill Clinton that, that went with it. But, you know, it's embarrassing for them because they didn't have at any point a, a, a moment in the campaign where she said, here's what I'm about. Here's what's going to be different. Here's what you have to look forward to. And instead, she gave us things that we just nobody really thinks are issues anymore. Uh, whether that's climate change, whether that's racism, because it's really people yeah, don't really think that. Or, yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. Democratic base believes that there's a serious issue, but it's really not. And then, of course, the the war on women issue, the, the the glass ceiling and so forth. It's just it's just not there. It's you know they're tilting at windmills, as it were. You know, speaking about the monsters, it just doesn't exist. So surprise, surprise, then they lose, having created a false narrative about the way, not only the the conservative. Uh, conservatives think, but creating a false narrative of what America thinks, generally speaking, then then they're so surprised when the reality hits all of a sudden. 
And it, what a reality it was. It was a very strong victory. And then you can talk about popular vote all you want and such like that. But that doesn't that, that is so utterly irrelevant. Well, it's also it's also if popular vote was relevant, then why wasn't Hillary Clinton talking about winning the popular vote on November 7th? That's right. Yeah, that's right. The rules of the game were the rules of the game, and both players were playing by the rules of the game. Yeah, that's right. You don't switch the rules of the game after the game's over and say, oh, but I would have won if the die we were using had five sides instead of six. Right. Well, you know, it's like it's like a football player saying throwing a ball way into the stands and saying, well, it would be a home run if this were baseball. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> right. It's a good analogy, isn't it? Yeah. So, but that's not what we're playing. We're not playing football for crying yeah. loud. And the, and the only way for that pass to be good is someone is on the other end catching it. Thank right. you very much. In, within the boundaries. And your analogy yeah. is so brilliant because not only did you change the rules of the game, you changed the game entirely. <laughs> Different true. game. Yes. Brilliant. And I think it can't this this part this branch of conversation cannot go without it being said and look at this party in the aftermath. They don't say what did we do wrong with our messaging? Right. Where is their autopsy? Where is their postmortem? Instead, they reelect Nancy Pelosi as their party leader in Congress right. oh. and they tr- look for Keith Ellison, Ellison. Yeah, uh, as their chairman? <laughs> it's just... It's, well, it's, and and, and the, the, it reminds me of a joke, a dirty joke. I'm not going to say the dirty version. I'm not telling you the joke. I'm just explaining the joke exists about a hunter goes into the woods to shoot a bear. All right. Yeah. He shoots the bear. The bear goes, ow. Then the bear grabs a gun from him, breaks the gun over his knee, and bends the hunter over and does something to him that I can't describe. Hunter comes back with a bigger gun next week, shoots the bear again. The bear goes, ow, grabs the bigger gun, breaks it over knee, and does it to the bear. He says, again. yeah, you know the drill. Right. Right. Well, right. And then the hunter comes a third time, and the bear just stands there, looks at him, and goes, you're not coming here for the hunting, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, right? And that's, true. That's true. They're coming here for something else, aren't they? Yeah. It, it is about something else. It's about, I don't know, seniority, perhaps. It's about uh, paying your dues. Uh, it's all about that. And look, their, their own beliefs, when you think about it, their love of unions, their love of regulations, right? It's, it's, if there's one theme to the liberal party, it's keep the status quo as much as possible, right? Keep everyone where they belong. And, and that includes us, the Democrats, the Democratic Party. Uh, and that means if I'm going to be Speaker of the House or Minority Leader, then by golly, you, you need to keep me as such because I earned it. I'm the oldest. I'm the most senior. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be there to block those damn victorious Republicans right. and make sure they can't get anything done. Right. right. It's, it's, Which, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And, and you have uh, no desire to change. They, 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 they've learned, I think, literally nothing from the election. When, when 2008 rolled around, uh, I remember doing exactly what you just said in, in the good way, the good part of it, which is let's have a postmortem. Let's have an autopsy, to use your phrase, and, and say, how can this have happened and what can we do better and what's our next strategy? And at my house, I invited some you know, big wigs in the conservative movement, uh, some of them whom, by the way, are going to be in the, uh, in the cabinet uh, for Trump, I'm very pleased to say. But it was awesome. It was a really great experience to talk about that. And, and we all came to the conclusion. We put up the wrong man. 
we were not about something. This is McCain, of course, we're talking about. But part of it also we have to understand that, that there was just this wave of a need for a change. Uh, and, and they fell in love with this, this black man, very articulate, very bright. Uh, but it was also after eight years of Bush. And then there's, of course, the, the whole recession thing. But all the same, we could have done better. We could have, we could have won this if we did it right. And if we did not just follow the seniority model as our highest priority. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's what we're getting at here is, okay, fine. Whatever with your ideas, Democrat Party, whatever with your politics and whatever with your positions, could you at least get different people to <laughs> try to sell these to us? Yeah. Rather, because no one embodies tired old you've been here forever than Hillary Clinton. For sure. And I mean, sure. how, how if these ideas are so advanced, can you not find someone else who's a little younger, a little more dynamic, and hasn't been hanging around Washington all these years? Right. I mean, really, the, the, white, the spouse of a former elected official? Right. Really? Right. That's, that's what you call experience? Right. Yep. I, well, well, she became a senator. Yeah, but she became a senator because she was the wife of the elected official. Yeah, yeah but she was secretary of state. Yeah, but she was secretary of state because she was a senator because she was the wife of the president. Right. And because and she, all of those because she was the wife of a president. And because she ran again, ran for president in 2008 and lost to, to somebody else. Right, but all that, all of the, 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 the genesis of her existence as a political entity is because she's the wife of someone. Right. I mean, unlike Elizabeth Dole, who at least ran a charitable foundation for many years successfully. Yeah, yeah. an actual you know, charitable and, foundation. And even she could not leverage being the wife of someone. Thank God. I'm not into wives and spouses and children. Right. Uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton, and, and for that matter, many in the Democratic Party, remind me of that kid in, uh, in summer camp or, for that matter, classes in, in, in school where they designate him to be the leader for the day, right, yes. for whatever reason. And he just says, okay, well, I'm the leader. Now you've got to do what I say, you know, uh, because I'm the leader. And, and that's it. Good enough, right? And, and that's who she thinks she is. She, she, she became senator only because she was the wife of a, of a man named Bill Clinton. And, of course, she was conniving and, and otherwise. But that's the main reason, like you said, that she became senator. And then she's impressed that she's a senator. Yeah, and, uh, and, then, and then expects everyone to look at her with such great accolades. I mean, this is one of the beefs I have with affirmative action, is that you get in to Harvard uh, Law School, for example, Stanford, whatever, on much lower standards, not just a little bit. No, I mean, straight D's. Straight D's sometimes, <laughs> really bad grades. And then you expect people to look up to you. Ah, you're at Harvard. And, but but that's, that's the, the horrible part of affirmative action. Anyway, it, it's so consistent with democratic thinking. They're all about titles, right? And, well, I got into Harvard. Well, yeah, but you've got on much lower standards. Don't, don't expect me to be as impressed with you as I am with somebody who didn't get into Harvard, uh, so who didn't get in on, um, on affirmative, affirmative action on into the, Harvard. On the bell curve grading. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So yeah. the same thing. It's, it's all about the, you know, what you can tell people, what you can put on your resume, but depth and substance that don't exist. Yeah, and one more point about but, 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 Hillary's uh, 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 I, 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 I want to finish oh, up the ahead. point. Finish yes. up the point. You see, that's the difference. That's what, that's what failed so much for Hillary Clinton and Trump generally, now that I think about it. Trump didn't go around saying, I mean, he, it was in passing, but he said, look, I, I'm a billionaire, and uh, that's good enough. That's my title. I'm, I'm, I'm CEO of Trump Organization, done, right? He didn't say that. He instead said, look, 
I just know business. I've got tremendous experience in business, and I know it works, and I know how to make deals. And by the way, I know what doesn't work also. Here's what doesn't work. Regulations, right? Uh, making bad trade deals and affirmative action and not building a wall and not maintaining your borders. I know that those things don't work, and that's what he focused on. Just like, you know, I don't talk all day long, uh, and, and my podcast listeners should not listen to me merely because I went to, uh, you know, an elite university and then elite law school. I don't give a crap about that. I don't expect anyone to listen to me because of that. I hope that, I mean, nobody's listening to the Brock Larry podcast with Ari David saying, let's listen to him because he went to Stanford, right? No. And, uh, and Ari nearly dropped out of high school. Let's listen to him destroy Ari again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. college boy wins. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it would be horrible. We don't want that in America, It would be right? a boring podcast. Yeah. They're well, all tuned in because the show is good. Right. And, and Trump's message was, the wall is my main pl- pl- you know, plank point, and I've built stuff, right. and to build a wall, you build a wall. Right. I know how to build things. But don't forget, Hillary Clinton was the most qualified person in, in, in history, history to run for president. Right. They that, just didn't tell you qualified for what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but another interesting point about the 2000 election, which I think does, I'd love to hear you address, which is this. She carpetbags a specific state, uh, New York. New York, yeah. That, the only connection she had to New York is she put on a New York baseball hat once. <laughs> if she had run in her husband's home state for a Senate seat in Arkansas, she doesn't win. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, she right? lost She lost, lost Arkansas badly, yes, by the way, and, in, in this election. And in the same election, the 2000 election, Al Gore, whose home state with Tennessee, he lost Tennessee. If he won Tennessee, Florida would have mattered. Right. So, oh. I mean, think about... All the things that that were affirmative actioned up in her favor to yeah. make sure she won yeah. a specific Senate seat in a specific highly liberal state in which you could go in and say, I'm the wife of the president. Hey, all the political operatives in this state drop out. Right. And, I'm, I'm and, and that was the seat that was open at the time. And had it been, had it been in North Dakota and she somehow felt that she would win? That she would, she would be from North Dakota all of right. a sudden. I mean, all it, of a sudden, and, and, and nobody and nobody thinks twice about it. It's exactly right. Anyway, the point about not thinking about twice about it, and that is that we are looking at a time where the, the, the people think that they can still fool you, and you can't. We live in the internet age. We live in a time where there's fake news and real news, and and people trying to and Facebook time and, and Snapchat and Twitter, of course. All these things, just a bunch of information. The only thing that we, we now know is that we live in the information age. And here's the good news. You, you can't fool everybody all the time. Okay? You just can't. And one thing's for sure, if you can't, if, if, even if you think you can fool people, a lot of the time, you cannot have a monopoly on information. That's where Hillary Clinton failed. And that's the big lesson of 2016 on so many different layers, just like you said, the politics, the polling, and the media. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what would you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about. and made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. But how dare! Uh, but here it is anyway, because it's so illustrative of what I want to say. All right, so these uh, this woman, she's hitchhiking across the country, and uh, you know she's somewhere in the Nebraska area, and she stumbles upon uh, this this farm, and you know she knocks on the door. It's kind of late at night, and uh, the man opens the door, and she says. Hey, listen, I, I don't have any place to stay tonight. Would it be right if I just crashed somewhere in your house? And the man says, listen, I, I don't have any room in our house, but you're welcome to sleep in the barn with, you know, my two boys are there, but if it's okay with them, it's okay with me. And she said, okay, thanks. So she finds herself in the barn, introduces herself, and she asks if she can just kind of, you know, sack out in the, for the evening. The boys, who are, by the way, liberals, <laughs> okay, that's important here, um, they say, sure, no, no problem. So um, they sleep, and then after a while, they get a little frisky, and uh, they want to have a little fun. So they're starting to kind of get all amorous and such, and then with the, when heavy petting leads to something a little bit more, she throws her hand out to them and says, stop, just a second. I don't, I don't mind going further, but I'd like you to wear condoms because, you know, I don't want to get pregnant. And the boys said, oh, yeah, that's fair enough, fair enough. And uh, so... They go about getting their condoms on, and uh, they have fun. Okay? Don't know to get into details. They have fun. Morning arrives. She uh, leaves with a cute blow of a, of a kiss to them in, in, in the air, and she, uh, she's off back to her, her hitch, hitchhiking ways. Right? And then the boys, you know, they, they kind of smile, and they see you later, and, and uh, they continue to work on the field for the next couple of weeks. And one day, about a couple of weeks later, one of the boys turns to the other as he's tilling the field and everything else. And he says, hey, Bob, do you remember about two weeks ago there was this girl that came by to our barn? Yeah, 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 I do remember that. And you remember how she kind of slept with us and, and then we eventually had a little bit of a fun time? Yeah, 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 of course, I remember that. And Bob, do you remember how she said she wanted us to wear condoms because she didn't want to get pregnant? And Bob says, yeah, yeah, sure, I, I remember that. Tell me, Bob, do you really care if she gets pregnant? And Bob thinks, you know, John, not really. I guess not. So John says, so what do you say to, we take off these condoms? 
<laughs> All right. So, in other words, it's about people who don't get what the situation is. All right. And this is what we talked about in the first segment of our of our show, right? Situational awareness. The situational yeah. awareness, but the way things work, <laughs> for that matter. And what I what I want to wrap up in this shorter segment is to kind of follow up what we we started with the end like of our you show. Said, they're liberals, right? Those there you go. By definition, the they're detail. not yeah. they're not clear on reality. <laughs> yes. Ah, so sad, and it's so sad that both you and I were there. But you know what? We have more gravitas to be able to to explain it that way because we we thought like them before. We just grew up. We realized what the world really was like, and we asked questions. But anyway. Toward the end of our the, the last half, we were talking about how the election uh, was was in many ways the last election of the 20th century. That's the way I look at it, because it's as if they campaigned the Democrats. I'm talking about in a way where they thought that it's all about what you say for the moment, and no one will check up on you, and there's no information to be uh, to, to com- no competing information, and no one will remember if when you're asked did you wipe your server, and she goes. You mean with a cloth? Right. Things and then of this a few nature. Weeks right. Later, the WikiLeaks emails from the people you sent the emails to show up. Right. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> we live in a time where you have to assume, rightly or wrongly, that you're being recorded, and that whatever you have said or written or have taken a picture of, for that matter, or whether you've been photographed, just assume it's going to be coming out to a theater near you or at a campaign. Headquarters near you, or on CNN or Fox or right. the Wall Street Journal near yeah. you, and ironically, you say that as you willingly choose to be recorded right. for this podcast. Yeah, which, good point. which, by the way, is an interesting kind of Zen, you know, mind you know what, because you're beating the game ahead of time, choosing to be recorded, right, rather than fighting it. <laughs> oh yeah, and look, I mean, we we have to make certain assumptions that everything that we do is being recorded. I, I'm in an office right now. You and I are in my office right now, and you have taught me something about computers that I didn't think about at all. Those little uh, cameras on your computers, um, you should assume, uh, whether you like it or not, you should assume that somebody is able to hack into your computer and be able to use the video camera on your uh, computer against you. Yeah, right? so I have my post-it note on my computer. Where's yours? I know. I've got to learn it. <laughs> but, I, but I think to myself, what's the worst they can get out of me, right? <laughs> they, once in a while, they'll, they'll, they'll catch me uh, scratching my nose or something, or worse yet, picking my nose. But, uh, but I don't do that, folks. You don't pose full Carlos Danger or Geraldo yeah. Rivera shirtless yes, I don't in do the that. office stretching. You know? Right. They will not have that. <laughs> uh, it, won't be, it won't be very interesting. If they, I don't know how many hundreds of hours they may have of you, have of me by now. <laughs> it ain't interesting, my friends. But, but even so, look, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a nice office. I've got a lot of windows surrounding me. And to look at inside the, 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 my office, I mean, people can see me, technically speaking, right now, talking to you. From any right? of the windows of all the offices yeah. we're looking into across the street. So like, like that, I, I assume that everything I do and say is available to everyone else. And it's, it's very hard, for example, for uh, spouses to cheat these days. Why? Because there's always um, something, some tracker on your iPhone, and presumably you take your iPhone with you. And if, if you're not taking your iPhone with you, well, then somebody else might be taking a photo of you regardless. It's too easy to track you. So 
what, what Hillary failed to understand, what the Democrats failed to understand, is that we, we are no longer in the 20th, 20th century. This is 21st century stuff. Okay, She talked about Snapchat and everything else. She had a separate server and everything else. But as it turns out, merely having new gizmos doesn't really deal with the issues of the 21st century. And the main issue of the 21st century, the main discovery of the 21st century, is that everything is accessible. Everything gets found out. Yeah, okay. you don't have to go through library microfiche to find out what you said six months ago right. in the New York Times. All I have to do is type it in Google, and up comes the YouTube video yeah. of what you said yesterday, and it totally contradicts what WikiLeaks put out. Right. Done. Done. And you thought you were so clever, right? Yeah. That's the thing. I'll just hide it. I'll just say this. I'll just say that. This is the, you know, I'll just say this administration, Okay meaning Obama in particular, and also Hillary Clinton. The, the classic example, the best example, and we can talk about other ones too, but the, the flagship example, shall we say, is Benghazi, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we will tell people that it was a video. Yeah, ironically, us, of yeah. all things, that's right. A YouTube video. video. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing that really got them agitated. Yeah. You know, you can't. You know, you can't blame uh, blame them for so being so crazy when their beloved Muhammad was mocked. You you understand? And let's put that guy to jail, right? And this kind of BS, this BS that they advanced, and they thought they could get away with it. It's it's like I just said. It's we'll just say this culture. Okay, that's what they did. And they did that with Obamacare. They did that with the, the Iranian deal. They did that with IRS the scandal. IRS, good Fast example. Furious scandal. Iran deal. Re Russian reset. Uh, Israel, Israel, Israel. Arab Spring. Arab Spring. Yep. Uh, oh, uh, oh Deepwater Horizon oh, oil spill. Good example. Um, yeah. uh, XL pipeline. Right. Um, everything. Everything was. Everything. We'll, we'll just say this. Yes. And. And it was, oh, they were kind of. Stimulus and porculus, shovel ready jobs. Oh, as it turns out, weren't so shovel ready. Ha right, ha right. ha. Never well, let a good crisis go to waste. Tea right. Party is racist. Okay, so, so and, and then of course, you know, and we'll just say that, that uh, not only that, but that all the police are, white police are, there's racism a brewing and a foot everywhere we go, right? Yeah. It's the we'll just say this culture that, that they, and they never, they were always caught. That's the amazing thing about it. Every single time they were caught. If I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Michael Brown is a nice boy going to college. Uh, right. Freddie Gray wasn't wasn't a junkie. Right. Eric Green wasn't a criminal or whatever that guy yeah, was. Yeah. You, you get the idea. Yeah. But, but the point is that it, it, they never learned from their experiences. Well, gosh, I, I guess I, I, you know, when I lied that time, I was caught. And then I lied again and I was caught. So my, my, uh, my next move? To lie again. Yeah. They just kept it. on doing it. People keep Googling this stuff. Well, for, for, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, here's a good example, and it wasn't the only one, but the one that comes to mind is during the debate, you'll recall that uh, Hillary Clinton was asked about her open borders comment, right? She made a speech where she 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 was knew she was being recorded. So it, it says, I'm for open borders, and, and for at least for the Western Hemisphere, I think. And, and everyone said, well, what did you mean by that? And she said, well, because I, I meant energy. I want, you know, the borders to be open for energy. Like, where was that in your speech? And it wasn't even a speech about energy. <laughs> it, it wasn't as if, you know, it's the World Forum on solar and wind energy, you know, and therefore we want open borders. No, you just, you're just saying that out of the blue and expecting us to believe it. 
But, you know, to her credit, about, I think, uh, three quarters of the people listening to that will be nodding their heads, at least among the Democratic base. Well, yeah. And all of her supporters with college educations believe it. Right. For some reason, a college education makes it so you understand her so well, yeah. you know she uh, is speaking right talk, yeah. <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. But, but this is this is the, the we'll just say sort of thing. Yeah. And it, it's the ease with which she, she lied... Uh, and continues to lie, the ease with which she lies to herself and the ease with which her cronies and allies willingly lie to themselves and are willing to be deluded. That's, that's the craziness of it all. And if you don't understand one very clear message from this campaign is that information comes out. It's not about feet on the ground anymore. It's not about who... who um, who uh, sponsors you or what's a, who endorses, endorses you, right? You know, because she went around looking for Madonna to support yeah, it's endorse not Katie her. Katy Perry and share. No, nobody. Know? Oh well, if Katy, if Katy Perry uh, endorses her, well then I'll vote for her. Right. Are you kidding? Come on. Or Madonna's promise of oral satisfaction. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right? it's, it's so absurd. It, it's not about those things. It's not even about having a lot of money, as it turns out. What it, what it is about is about information and getting the information out quickly and efficiently. And accurately, and and tapping into what people are actually interested in, ta-da! Which is very democratic when you think—not democrat, but democratic—in in a wonderful way. That you don't have to have all this money. Ironically, uh, the billionaire doesn't need didn't need to have so much money, which is really ironic when you think about it. He had so little money into this campaign, and he slaughtered her electorally, at least, right? Slaughtered her with with Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> And, and being on the news as, as often as he did and just sending out emails and things like this. That's how we won. Not, not with people banging on doors and trying to convince those neutrals out there yeah, that my, Hillary Clinton really does stand on, on the same side of the equation as they do. Come on. That's the way. That's why she lost. And this is the lesson that she needs to learn. Well, she, she's no longer relevant. That the Democrats need to learn. Well, if they care to be successful in the future, it would help them if they would care to learn this. It well, really would. Yeah, and, and, and even here's the, the funny thing is their thinking, which was fairly correct in the 20th century, was let's get a lot of immigrants in. Let's get a lot of, you know, let's, let's loosen their immigration restrictions such that they will vote for us in, in droves. And, and that will change the demographics. That will give us a much better base because guess what? Our ideas ain't working, <laughs> but but our numbers will. We because they're just a naked party of power. That's all. They don't. We, we joked around before about how Hillary Clinton wasn't about something, and that's why she lost. I mean, sorry, we weren't joking around it. We were saying it very seriously. But but the reality is, they aren't about anything. They they couldn't even come up with anything if they tried, right? Because they throw out equal opportunity, you know, not equal opportunity, equality for all. Uh, fair share diversity. taxes, diversity, racism. Yeah, they uh, throw out, I heard Mark's on Twitter it so well, it was sound about diversity, but you can apply this to any of those words. They throw out terms that have no moral charge to them. Yeah. By moral charge, I mean like an ion positive to negative. Yes. If it has no positive or negative uh, charge to it, there is no reason for a, a, an elected official or a leader of a society to put it out there because it's got no grounding in morality for good or for bad. Yeah. When you espouse diversity or equality or opportunity for uh, without qualifying it in a moral or ethical way, 
It's just pablum. It means nothing. That's right. And that's all they are. And I think I've said this to you before, but it occurs to me that this is a good time to bring up these two words. It's a party of naked political theory, meaning all they look at is political theory equations for how to acquire power, but they have no moral basis for wielding the power, and they have no moral basis for arguing why they should be entrusted with the power. That's right. Hence, the demographic. Well, if we can demographically outnumber those people, then the people who care about the moral argument won't matter. Right. <laughs> and, and a lot of these people that they want to come into the country have no idea what, what the Democrats actually uh, offer, other than that the Democrats will offer them goodies. That's right. it. They have no other sense of what the Democrats are other than the Democrats are good for them. I put that in air quotes. And that's all they care to hear. That's it. Okay. Now that we are on the other side of this election, it really, it's a funny feeling, isn't it? It's, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, um, it, it's like being in a very topsy-turvy fog and wondering whether we'll crash against the, the harbor, you know, the rocks of the harbor. And... And it turns out, as the fog has lifted, that actually everything was, was okay. It was not at all like they had pr- projected it to be. And that, in fact, we're doing quite well. And now we're safely landing. And the world that we thought of, of terror and, and horrible things happening to us, uh, just, it just was a big lie. And the reason why we're finding out about it is because, well, social media, uh, all, all the... All, all the technology that the 21st century has brought to us and all the, the democratic, not democratic, but democratic processes that allow us to, to pull out real information and to be able to judge the information that we are getting. And that's why I say, it's it looking at, that's why we equated Hillary Clinton to Bernie Madoff in the beginning of this podcast, because it was all about deception. Everything about it was deception. And, and the key part of, of Bernie Madoff's Success and ultimately his collapse was he created a facade, a reality that just didn't exist. And that's, that has all come undone uh, by, in Hillary Clinton's camp and the Democratic camp. And why? Because ideas mattered and technology helped carry those ideas through. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.